Hi, I'm Pearl Lim, your host for the Rebel Curiosities podcast. Walking into retail pharmacies these days is a very different experience, be it at the hospitals or drug chain stores. And no one understands this better than Red Hermedes, who is no stranger to consumer behaviours in the over-the-counter or OTC environment. Having began his career in advertising in global agencies like Leo Bennett, Lintus and BBDO, Red has worked with pharmaceutical companies like GlaxoSmithKline and Beringer Ingelheim before joining the industry at United Laboratories and Great Eastern Drug. His experience included managing several business units across different OTC and hospital channels in marketing as well as commercial operations. He has also worked with Sassin School of Management as the advisor of executive education for organizations. One of the things that Red and I have spoke about is how marketing often falls into the rut, simply because there's too much similarity and formulate campaigns due to the multiple regulations in the industry. He finds that the messages become irrelevant because they are all the same, more so now than ever because we are bombarded by data. Red has previously given talks on this relating to sales, promotions, and the end of over-the-counter marketing as we know it. We discuss if marketeers can overcome these challenges and problems, and how does a sense of curiosity change that? This is the Rebel Curiosities Podcast. Hello, Red. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pearl. Thank you for having me today. So you spent the early years in your career with very illustrious advertising agencies. What was it about advertising or influencing consumer behaviors were you most curious about then? Yeah, thank you very much, Pearl. Yeah, it, indeed, it, it, it has been quite quite a journey. And um, advertising for me is really an understanding of people and what makes them tick. So as, as a student, as a very young graduate, that, that was what I was most interested in. And uh, it's the reason why, why I pursued it as, a, as an initial career. And it is just very interesting for me because... We're dealing with emotions, we're dealing with multiple types of behaviors, work styles, and it's just something that, that's, that's, uh, that's essentially what, what got me into the field. And after more than 20 years, I'm still here uh, in one, one way or another. I've, I've grown throughout the years from, from the advertising side, and I've taken on like more general management uh, roles. But yeah, it, it's still a part of what makes me tick and I guess understanding people and anticipating what they need. And the strange thing about consumer behaviors as well, they are influenced by trends which come and go. So I guess in your views, having been in advertising um, for such a long time, how has that changed? Indeed, I think I was quite fortunate to have lived through a time of rapid change. It was really when, when I started working circa 2000, 97, 98. It's about the same time that digital has really, has really taken off. At that time, it was like, probably like 10, 20%, a minority of, of people really using the medium because uh, Google just started search and the iPod came the year after and all of these things really uh, caused an exp exponential growth. But right now, I think if, if you look at 8 billion people in the world, uh, we can say that 60, 70% are, are in the space. So this has really changed the way we do things, the way we interact. Indeed. You know, if I look at the way we as consumers uh, consume content, for example, you know, I guess in those days that we, you know, we look back, 
there's only TV, radio, and newspapers, which makes things a lot simpler, I would say. But nowadays, you know, I think digital has kind of like blew the doors wide open and people are just consuming data so differently. That's true. Absolutely true, Pearl. I mean, I have a 13 and a 14-year-old and um, I try to get them off their phones as much as I can, but it, it is useful in, in some ways. But when they're into this TikTok phase and, you know, <laughs> they keep on scrolling from one page to the others, then, you know, you have you have to really speak to them and, you know, uh, maybe it's time to uh, pause that a bit, you know, <laughs> do something else, get out of your chair, uh, <laughs> the house, you know, that's why they encourage them to do all of these things. So, so yeah, it, it has its benefits and yeah, also a bit of drawbacks, but yeah, we, I guess that's why we're here to manage all of these things. So coming to over-the-counter or OTC marketing, um, that is a strange beast, isn't it? Especially in times like that, because if we are talking about like a drug or a pharmaceutical regulated product, which makes the buying journey quite different from other products or brands we consume. In your opinion, what really drives uh, consumer purchase or behaviors in this space? I think, yeah, but both of us have been, have been in, the, in the industry for quite a while. And at the end of the day, however, we are still selling a product. The brand names may change, but when you look at the actual formulas, they're all the same, right? We know that. Uh, yes, <laughs> we can get into <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> we can get into the black box and, you know, this needs to be followed. <laughs> this type of content, dosing and all of these things. But again, to, to the points that we were discussing a while ago, if everything is all the same, how can people choose between one thing or another? What would make your brand different? We need to find ways to connect with people beyond the regulations. Yeah, well, once we have an appreciation of what they do, what they value, what the purchase journey is like, then we would have a better way of, of dealing with these things. I think similarly, if you talk about consumer goods, we talk about the moment of truth a lot. And it's quite similar to pharma, except that we would probably have to go back a few steps previously for OTC, because what I have observed over the years is that people are loyal to certain to certain brands, not to formulas, because they are comfortable with it. It's something they get to, they buy. It's something they rely on to deliver relief. And it's a brand that delivers that. So for marketers, I think we just need to find a way to always reinforce the brand in that way. Google has, has talked about zero moments of truth, right? Like even prior to the actual purchase, that's, those are just like opportunities that you can use. So. If there are regulations, use the regulations in a way that, you know, it, it becomes a challenge to, to promote your product positively rather than, you know, going against regulations, which is, mm. which is like a level playing field, right? No, nobody, nobody can do about it, anything about it. I really like what yeah. you said, um, you know, about the brand being as a connection point, right? Because um, it you know, at the end of the day, whether it's pharmaceutical products or fashion products or lifestyle products, it's really the way uh, consumers connect with the brand that makes it a brand preference or having brand loyalty. And and what you just described um, signifies that a lot. So in the, in a field of, you know, over-the-counter pharmaceutical marketing, I think that's even trickier because of all the regulations. Um, but like you said, if we play wisely, where it's about connection. We don't have to play outside the, 
the regulations, right? Which is a big no-no. It's not what we want to do. Absolutely. Really, you got that. You got that right. And yeah, there are ways to do it, right? You just mentioned that the seven-second TikTok rule and all of these things. I mean, it, it, it can be done, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just we just need to give ourselves some space to innovate around these these requirements. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure we could come up with some something very different and as 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 we both discussed, something that's true to to what your product and what your brand stands for. Yeah. One of the things that you know we spoke a lot about is that we we seen a lot of marketing programs and campaigns. Uh, tend to fall into the discounting game, or you know, offer free gifts to drive sales performance. And while we understand that drives short-term behavior, it still remains a very formulaic way of doing marketing. Uh, why do you think that happens? Correct. It's just one of those, I would say, one of those knee-jerk approaches, right? That okay, I need to hit my targets. I need to <laughs> deliver revenues and all of these things. Right? I mean, we, we've all been there. Like, I guess it's it's everything that we do. It's the whole planning process. It's the way we set targets that lead us to say that okay, if we're not delivering the rev- delivering the revenues, then let's just give a discount. <laughs> It is, it's just the easiest thing to do. And strangely enough, like I think we've been talking about brands, we've been talking about all of these benefits. This is actually opposed to the idea of products and brands and value that we have just been advocating. I mean, it's, it's the sole reason why we invest in, in marketing, in our products, and in brand building. And it's really sad that we would have to resort to these, like what I would call short-term tactics, because it doesn't do anything uh, valuable. It doesn't provide any, any, any long-term benefits, I would say. Now, there, there are instances, I guess, when inflation is going up at a crazy pace, when the pockets of consumers are tight, and discounts help, reasonable discounts not the discounts that upset the whole balance of trade because it's not good for your product. It's not good for the competition. And more importantly, it, it's just not good for the brand. So so yeah, this is, this is something that I'm not very fond of, but if it's used in the proper context in a way that it helps the consumer, I guess we, we could use it as, as a tactic once in a while. It's the whole way we do marketing. It's the whole way we do planning. It's the whole way we do everything. So unless we step back and see things in a different way, then this is going to keep on happening again and again. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that are sad but true. But hopefully, I think with, with this conversation, with with our, I think, continuous discussion, then maybe we could a spark and you know just find different ways of going around these things yes i love that the fact is pricing and discounts like you said has a short-term impact but you know on a longer term really erodes the brand value and you know everything that we seek to create in that space and I, i also like what you said earlier that marketers need to step back and see the big picture because a lot of time it, it's very tactical and promotion or campaign driven, right? And that shortens the playing field. So the question then is, do you think marketers on the whole are curious enough? Uh, are marketers able to step back, see the big picture, ask different set of questions? 
<laughs> thank, thank you for the question, Pearl. I'm not sure how to answer it positively, but but yeah, because it's it's just like we're looking in a mirror talking to ourselves, right? So, That's right. So, so we need to be really honest. On the level of curiosity, I think yes. I do believe that people really go for this field because they're interested in it. And, and sure, sure, they have a lot of questions they learn. They are curious. With the word enough, that made me think of like what, what enough really means. Is it enough to start something different? Is it enough to spark a new idea? Then the answer would be no. <laughs> sorry. It's a hard no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being honest because we just talked, we just touched on these topics a while ago that, you know, if, if you step back and look at all the campaign, probably 70, 80, 90% follow a certain formula. <laughs> it's a problem. You're right. And, you know, I love that you also said we are like looking in the mirrors here because we are marketeers, but it's Correct. a reflection. It's a reflection that, you know, we need to be curious about other things rather than, you know, just the campaign or promotion itself. And the follow-up question could be, what kind of questions should we marketers be asking then? For sure, yeah. Yeah, let, let's use the scientific approach. <laughs> Going back to what we, were, we, we, we started discussing it at the beginning, it's what causes all of these, you know, uh, similarities? Well, why do all the products um, and the brands look look the same for some reason, right? Because of regulations, because of all of these barriers, because of all the planning process, the way we do things. So yeah, I would think that the question a marketer should ask, we should ask, how do I find ways to to connect going back to, to consumers and demonstrate the, the benefits of my brand in, in a different way, be beyond all of these regulations. So you don't need to like, you know, start with, okay, I need to grow certain percentage each year, which is the typical approach, right? I mean, sad but true, we, we start with numbers when we haven't really had the full grasp of the situation, like what's happening? Why are people consuming this way? What's happening in their category? Are they using other things? Yeah, it's 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 a sad reality that it's everything that we do that's causing this. <laughs> so how do we change that? Let's not be ourselves. <laughs> no, let's, maybe we should throw away that uh, that in our planning process uh, methodology to begin with. I mean, it it still has its value for sure. I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should not have a plan because that's <laughs> it's almost like suicide, right? It's just. Um, but yeah, I, I, those are the questions that I would want to find out so that, you know, once, once, you, once you actually think of a plan and actually implement it, then, then it's based on something, on a real consumer issue, on like, on like what the category is, on what, what the behaviors are. So, so yeah, let's, let's plan around these things. And obviously the numbers will follow after, once we get all of these things right, right? And it becomes more logical. It becomes more rewarding yeah i'm sorry i've been in this space like 20 years and <laughs> I've, I've 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 tried to uh, change the way things are done in in my own group but i don't think we can change it ac across across the whole categories so yeah I'll, i'm i'm still hoping that you know uh <laughs> if if we do get our heads around it marketers then we would we would see like a much more diverse segment brands and, and competitive set yeah so that. so pearl yeah there is hope yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that there is still yeah. hope for us yeah. yeah 
And, you know, I, I really like what you said about throwing away the whole planning process because it's so common for, um, and I'm speaking very generally, marketers as a whole, to yeah. take the budget template every year, yeah. add 20% to it year upon year. So, you know, <laughs> I really like you said what, like what you said about um, let's look at the consumers, let's base it on behaviors and insights before we start planning. Exactly, exactly. I think being in the space for a very long time, we <laughs> we have seen some of these things like surface every year, <laughs> as you said. I think when we met, we, we were at a conference and one of the topics you spoke about technology and you know how, how technology is a partner to marketing, right? And then how we rethink the value of what we do as marketers. What you said about AI and technology taking away some of the tasks and processes mean that that part of the work is taken away from marketers. So what other skills should marketers look at then? It's really the time for us to, to start using these technologies to, to begin with. Just being adept with, with ways to use all the functions. For example, if in our day-to-day work and we're looking for a way to streamline the whole, the whole process, you know, why don't we keep ourselves abreast of what's happening, get our teams involved, get our teams to use it, see what the pros and cons are, what the benefits are. It's really funny because I think in, in reality, like marketers are known to be one of the most literate in advance in these areas but i'm sorry to say but i think in some segments in some areas there are still probably a lot of room for for, for ourselves and then for our cohort to develop just embrace this this reality for example in, in marketing technologies there's a lot of like technical functions a lot of functions that are repetitive a lot of functions that you know and more a more precise math- mathematical model and algorithm would work right so for example if you're running search campaign if you're running like you know an smo campaign uh you know whether it's paid organic unpaid like these things help these things help a lot because imagine the amount of work and workload that you would have to do on a daily basis on things that evolve well not just every single day right but <laughs> practically every hour of the, of the day because algorithm just, just shifts so much. That's an interesting point about data because marketers have to deal with a lot of data. It's, it's a large amount of analysis that has to be done. What do you see as the right information to interpret? Indeed, yeah. I, I think I completely agree. Like, I think that's part of the problem, really. Don't call it a problem. Let's call it a challenge because we were just built to think into our own silos, into our own respective functions that probably lose sight of the bigger picture. Like everybody thinks about tech, but doesn't understand the commercial side of it or a marketing person would not understand the commercial side of it. That's just the starting point. We, we should stop thinking about things just based on our own functions. Maybe uh, it would help to speak with somebody across the board if you're let's say you do mostly marketing can you talk to someone who's involved in the development side and the prototyping side just to understand what it actually does and what what functions would be beneficial and what are your pain points and it cut it cuts both ways right if we go back to the title of your series which are curiosities right that is what we go back to are you curious enough to find out what these insights are are you curious enough to ask people about it talk to people about it are you open enough to step out of your own 
unbox and of your own self and of your own shadow to actually see what they're what's really happening so <laughs> i mean those are just a few examples like Chris, you can go across uh, functional areas you can go take a look at the user the consumer ux is just super critical because we always assume that people would think do and feel about the thing a certain way when when in fact sometimes that's not what happens in reality right it seems like marketers would need to enhance their soft skills would you say yeah definitely thank you for for pointing that out like those are the things that peter was alluding to it's in terms of functional skills i think it's it's already there it evolves in certain ways the real value of it especially for like people who are engaged in marketing and planning and implementing plans is really finding out that, that as you pointed out that those human areas that we need to touch on to be able to come up with with an impactful idea or an insight that, that that's where it all begins you you just you just really pointed out i think as as we go through that like you see you you're going to see a lot of reference materials talking about these that like skills that we already developed resilience curiosity and all of these other things these, these things count for sure for sure and i think organizations would find it hard as well because they would have to reward and you know retain their talents based on assessments of their soft skill like you say resilience curiosity versus the actual hard metrics right Although in business, that still counts. But that's Correct. almost an overhaul of the organizational reward system <laughs> as we know it. That is true. That is true. That's another relevant topic that, that, that you post because as you know, with, with everything that's been happening, especially the tech layoffs that have happened recently, there's a lot of good talent available around. Do they actually want to work for companies, use template and provide like similar solutions to issues? Maybe some would, maybe some won't. But yeah, you just open another <laughs> another Pandora's box <laughs> to speak of, 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 of a really huge issue that, that's happening everywhere. Like how do companies actually adapt their performance rating system in such a way that it contains all of these issues that we post? right all of these challenges that we pose yeah it it just needs to be a little bit more comprehensive than a standard toolkit there's so many solutions available but yeah i think the closest example i could i could think of would probably how a progressive education is like is is developing because my children unlike me have have grown up in a progressive learning system so they don't get a numeric grade they get a certain range of what they're at right now and they're all supposed another challenge what they're actually capable of based on a set of multiple assessments like uh technical like i think even soft skills are also included and it's just so important because otherwise they're going to be stuck in a box and i can i feel for all these employees who are like you know who have been doing the same thing over and over again year after year <laughs> in the same assistant model and you know so this is just the whole cycle that we have to break away from i guess if we want to come out result come out with results that are actually impactful and different as controversial as it may be <laughs> yes. i can imagine for like <laughs> all these organizations and you've also led and built marketing teams you know across different countries in asia pacific which i'm sure would be really interesting taking into consideration the different cultural and engagement styles definitely yeah. <laughs> how did you yeah. manage that Yeah, it 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 is always challenging dealing with people because people are different. I always start with that with that point of view when when I deal with people from other cultures. Once you have 
appreciation of, of this, I think it makes it easier to, to understand uh, the working style and approach that would allow you to, to connect with your teams and inspire them to do the things that, that, you've, that you've set, right? The, the goals that you've set. So, I mean, I've started my career, I'm originally from the Philippines, so Filipinos do the same way differently. And I was assigned a role in in one of the frontier markets at that time. It was Myanmar. So Burmese people do things differently. After that, I went I went back to Manila, which is a, a mix of an OTC and uh, medical channel side. And yeah, they also do different things things differently in a medical channel, even though they're from the same country, right? Yeah, when when I was uh, sent to Thailand 13 years ago, it's the same. I had to adjust to what they value. What is interesting, though, I would say is like Asians in general, we are like closely knit. Like we, we stick to, I guess we, it, it gives us comfort to stick to our own inner circle. So that's what I try to do. I try to just, you know, be more of uh, someone they can talk to, a friend rather than, you know, becoming a dictator. Because, I mean, I've, I've tried this method, the, 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 the character did more of the stick uh, approach in the past and for me, it doesn't really inspire teams. It doesn't really make them do things better. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just more of understanding, respecting their culture, motivating them in that context. That, that was really, those were the things that has really helped in terms of inspiring, inspiring teams and delivering results for me. And if you want a high-performing team, you know, I think your approach of patience, understanding, and, and inspiring them actually makes them go to greater heights rather than just doing what you tell them to do, right? For sure, for sure. So when you hire marketing talents uh, within your team, what, what do you look for? Yes, again, this is interesting because it, it's about people with, and everybody's different, right? But I think in terms of like the functional skills, it's all the same, right? Everybody goes through the same screening process. What you're looking for is like IDEO, Tim Brown calls it T-shaped people where you have functional skills in the middle. And then aside from the technical skills, it's all of these other skills across. It's how you deal with issues. Uh, it's not just your IQ, but your EQ. Uh, it's how you relate with people. Can you build? Can you solve problems? Like Those are the things I try to seek out. More importantly, I think it's really just about how driven the person is because once you're interested in something, there is just no way that you can be good at it. I may be an optimist, but I mean, that's, that's, that's just how I... I approach things and it's very difficult to deal with people who are not motivated and who are not inspired. And um, I've, I've had these uh, experiences in the past and I don't try to do more than, you know, just finding and igniting that switch that really inspires them. If if there's nothing and they're not interested, then, you know, I guess it's time to give up. But <laughs> sadly, sadly it is. But uh, once you have that, then... Yeah, we we could do anything, I believe. So so it's it's just that it's just that drive. It's that fire in the eyes. It's you know the, the thing in your gut that that tells you I'm gonna do this. I want to learn and I'm gonna be good at what I do. It's as simple as that, I guess. Yeah. It sounds a lot like mindset over skill set, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Especially in this in this day and age, right? When everything changes so fast, so fast, right? I mean, there, there are a lot of smart people out there, but I mean to succeed in the real world. You need more than that. Uh, <laughs> you need everything else. What do you think would be the future of adult learning in this space where, you know, it's just what you mentioned, 
um, the mindset and soft skills might be even more crucial than the functional expertise. Correct. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question. I've, I've been asked that a lot of time. It is the reason why I advise organizations in this area. Schools, the formal teaching process is probably the oldest segment in the world, right? It's, it has existed since the Greek time, like probably, and it hasn't, it, it hasn't gone through a lot of uh, innovations, I would say. So that's why I find that fascinating. It was... It was really just during the pandemic when people started asking questions, right? Like really hard questions and they wanted change. Like also with the school because mostly because they had no choice. <laughs> there were lockdowns everywhere and everywhere and face to face was <laughs> it was just not possible. So sometimes that's that's how uh these inspirations come come to play. So we've tried everything. We've tried all types of learning, providing resources, video video uh, applications, you know, anything that would stimulate different cort- cort- cortex of your brain. So yeah, I think that's, that's what the future holds, especially now because we have all of these technologies. Like we, were, we had a product which is called blended learning, which is a combination of, you know, synchronous and asynchronous. So synchronous is like when everybody has to be there and like on your own time. You could just go through all those resources when you want and it will help you. So, so yeah, these are like the things that have inspired learning. So I would say that there's no conclusion yet because after the pandemic, some groups would want to go back face to face. Others are more receptive to this idea of hybrid learning, right? Others are inspired by this. So I think we just, we should just continue to offer all of these innovations as long as it's, as it's reasonable, as it, as, it, uh, as it fits your product and your brand because people are, diff- are inspired by different things. So let's just use all the technologies that we have, right? Because that is the future and, and, I'm, and I'm extremely interested and fascinated by it. Yeah, it's one of those things that inspire us every day. <laughs> There's been so much discussion and about, like what you said, the marketing technology space and you know that that impacts how we interact with people how we learn you know you mentioned the ar and the vr what what are some of the trends that you think we should be looking out for yeah indeed i think as i mentioned like a lot of the development has has really increased at uh, at breakneck speeds especially since the pandemic i think all of these we call it shallow learning methods which is essentially automating things, automating processes, making them smart, so to speak. That has been there, but because of Google, because of deep learning, because of all of these innovations, it becomes a little bit more predictive and a little bit more helpful. It's not right all the time, of course, but I mean, aren't you just fascinated, Pearl, that if you actually run the Google thesaurus now, you could actually show show photos and even the text of photos can actually be caught by a, by a GPU. So. I mean, in, <laughs> in the days before, we'd all have to cut and paste and type and all of these things, right? It can be done and it has grown leaps and bounds. I think things will change. We don't know how fast, how slow, but once we have really made full use of the capabilities of, and the benefits of all of these convenience, all of these things that are already there that we just need to optimize and use, then, then we, everything will change. People like us would have to really find new ways to uh, to add value to our jobs, right? Because uh, mm. <laughs> all of the normal processes can be done by, by all of these um, systems. And you're so right about, you know, some people worry about AI taking over our jobs, our right. lives. But the fact is, we need to find value in what we do. If what we do can be overtaken by machines, 
or AI learning, then maybe the question is, you know, not the safety of our jobs, but rather what's the value that we create in our work. And last but not least, what does the philosophy rebel curiosities mean to you? Come to think of it, it's, it's something that I probably have been doing all of my life. It's, I just never termed it that way, right? Because I have always believed in doing things that are effective, things that make a difference in the world. It may not be the same way people do things, right? Because, I mean, people have been talking about disruption for a long time, probably escalated during pandemic, but we have been thinking about it since the year 2000, right? When 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 all of these millennial came and all of these things. So I guess it's something that is really in it in me to find a way of doing things that inspires, connects, and and makes an impact. If it's for me, if it's worth doing, it's really worth doing well. And you're gonna know that whatever you've you've strived and worked for, yeah, all all of these would be living ten testaments to to what you have done. So all of the brands that I have I've managed, handled in the Philippines, like uh, Myanmar, other countries, even in Thailand. They are all cash flow positive and <laughs> they continue to deliver this over time uh, and will for a very long time because of people who want who who handle it. So I think this can only be done if, if we strive to do things in a curious and different way. Yeah, that, that's that's a huge yes for Thanks for listening. If you like this, please subscribe or leave a review. If you'd like to reach out and have more conversations about harnessing curiosity in your work, you can email me at pearl at rebelcuriosities.com. Till then, stay curious, take care.